Shall we begin? Let's begin. Irakundo, what a finish! What a hit! Remember the name, Nestor Irakunda. Look at that! How on earth has Kuol scored from there? Suta! Another international goal. Rich Bagaloo through the crowd. Five foot up into the top corner. This is the Soccer Who's podcast, the show all about Australian football as we look to unearth the next generation of Socceroos who will one day wear the green and gold. Welcome back to the Soccer Who's podcast. My name is Lockie. I'm joined by James. How are you, mate? A bit tired, mate, but hey, we're, we're going. We are going. I think that it's going to be a loose episode today. And yeah, let's, I think it's I think important to be real. If... I didn't feel like there was a responsibility for me to do this podcast. <laughs> Wouldn't be here right now, I don't think. Uh, that's not to make anyone listen because feel bad. But uh, it's been a week. So buckle yourself in. It's going to be a fun one. Special welcome to the wider Australian media. I don't know if you were watching the State of Origin last night, James. I, I wasn't. I didn't think you would have been. But at one point, they cut to a shot of Sam Kerr. Mackenzie Arnold, Caitlin Ford, and Alana Kennedy. So the four four of our Matildas, and of course they only knew Sam Kerr, didn't recognize any of the other three. And I would think that if you see Sam Kerr, you go, I wonder if she's with, like, I wonder who she's with. And just do a quick, like a, a literally a quick Google, Matildas squad, just to see if you recognize any of the faces. That obviously didn't happen. Uh, but then... What also was funny to me personally is that I produce as part of my work a radio show for um, Matt Denny, the Australian Olympian, the discus thrower, uh, and they cut to a shot of him and a couple of other Olympians, and, and he also wasn't recognised. So wow. it's not exclusive just to the, uh, to the Matildas, but given the World Cup is around the corner, probably a good idea to start reading up, especially if you're in the media at least on who might be playing and might be taking over, I guess, the public interest. It's true. For, for the month, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, so, yeah, special welcome to you if you're joining us. Um, James, let's go around the grounds. There's been plenty of football that's happened and a bit interesting because usually when we go around the grounds, we tend to talk about club land, but I think this around the grounds will be exclusive to the international game. James, plenty of international football being played at the moment. We've had the Socceroos play Argentina. We've had uh, the Maurice Rebello tournament that wrapped up for the under-23s. The under-17s, I think, are about to kick off as we record this right now in the under-17 Asian Cup. Uh, some fantastic football that's been played recently. So we start off with the Socceroos? 2-0 loss against Argentina. The last episode, I think we recorded the night of the game, but obviously we weren't able to, I guess, review the game before it happened. Um, that would be what we call a preview. James, 2-0, not a bad result against Argentina, considering all things. And, I mean, Lionel Messi, he's very good, isn't he? He's all right. Yeah, decent footballer, I've heard. Really? Yeah, and I've seen as well. Okay. I mean, he's got an average goal, really. Early on, yeah. Quickest goal in his career, which is insane. Generally, and I like to tell the guys in the Div 5 team that I help, I guess, oversee the, the Sunday League team, hey, 
just spend a couple of minutes at the start of the game trying to work out what formation does the op- opposition play? Who who do I have to mark? What are my responsibilities in this game? Spend a couple of minutes doing what Lionel Messi does and trying to assess the opposition. Obviously, while playing, don't remove yourself completely from the game. And that is genuinely what Messi does. He, he likes to survey the opposition, not against Australia. He just went straight for it, scored a goal. Yeah, and I mean, in a class like him, those, those goals will happen. Earliest goal of his career, as we said, second minute, first ever second minute goal. And, you know, it, it's one of those things that happen. But, you know, when you're in these games against Argentina, you're not really looking for a result, right? You're looking for how the team plays, how the team responds to adversity, how personnel combinations play together. It's a friendly match at the end of the day, right? Um, so it wasn't the same. It wasn't the kind of match like the round of 16 where we're a lot more tight, we're a lot more rigid because we're looking for a result. Uh, it was a lot more free-flowing, and I actually really appreciated that. I think the 4-4-2 that Graham Arnold rolled out was actually kind of beautiful in a way for him because obviously at Sydney FC he played a 4-2-4 to good success. That was largely due to personnel that I think outclassed the rest of the league. Then went over to international football and it didn't really work. So he had to change to a single pivot, 4-3-3, which worked very well. Then back to the World Cup, transitioned more so to a three back. Uh, with they're kind of sliding in um, as that inverted fullback playing a bit more defensive, slotting in as a centre back to allow the left back and bench to push on and create a three-two-five. Um, so a double pivot again, but a different kind of kind of double pivot. But here it was a it was a true Graham Arnold double pivot with the two wing backs pushing high up the pitch. But what made it work and what made it beautiful is the clear change in instruction that he gave the two CDMs. For so long, we've seen Graham Arnold use those two CDMs kind of always go wide, right? And fill that space with the fullback to try and stretch the opposition press to open up those vertical passes. And when you're against the better teams, right? Better tactically coached teams, that doesn't really work, right? Because they can shadow mark and cut off their passing lanes. But what we saw Graham Arnold do was actually quite beautiful. And I think, honestly, a very impressive for him at his age, because we often make jokes about adaptability around mm. Graham Arnold, right? He has this way of playing, but he adapted. He's grown tactically, and I want to commend him for that because what we saw him do is roll Suter. They stayed fairly wide as a centre-back pairing, and what we saw between Bakaso and O'Neill is when the ball was on the left side of the pitch, O'Neill would go wide like usual, but Bacchus would actually come narrow and invert between the two centre-backs. So he always had the double pivot and he just left the other side of the pitch free, right? Because he didn't really need that long searching ball. But when needed, Atkinson, who would drop back if they needed to find a long searching ball. And then as the ball was on the other side, the opposite would happen. Backers would drop into that pseudo fullback position to allow Atkinson to push up as a winger. O'Neill would invert, um, come into midfield, sorry, and play that asymmetrical role. And Boss would sometimes drop back if they needed the switching ball. And it worked very, very well, that pendulum effect of the asymmetrical midfield, and they were able to routinely find gaps like in the Argentinian press, which was very impressive. Um, the issue was we built up quite effectively, uh, but once we got to the creation phase, that's where we struggled a little bit. Um, seven total shots, right? Um, not ideal, three of them on target. Argentina, 11 shots, uh, five of them on, t- on target. So 
a bit of a, a different dynamic there in the creation opportunities and the quality of chances created. But at the end of the day, I think some really po- positive um, outcomes for Australia and some really good tactical development because the asymmetrical shape in the build-up play and the asymmetrical 2-3 was creating was actually quite beautiful and I think will work very well for Graham Arnold in the Asian Cup, especially in those bigger games against Japan and South Korea where we need to be a bit more defensively responsible. Uh, James, firstly, I, I can't believe you spoke so long and we didn't even get the chance to fire this off. We talk tactics, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so that's that's a strike for you, buddy. Oh, I'm but sorry. Um, secondly, how do you think we're going to go in a tournament like the Asian Cup, where I think Australia, especially under Graham Arnold, has been solid against sides where we are the underdog, and he does set up quite negatively football in, in football terms. That's obviously what got us results in. I was going to say Russia, but that's. Not where we were. That was Qatar. a few years ago yeah. now, mate. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm just trying to think of nations. <laughs> that's in there right now. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of nations in which I wouldn't visit uh, and condone <laughs> them hosting the World Cup. And Russia was, for some reason, first. Qatar came in second there. Yeah, um, right the Saudi Arabian World Cup. <laughs> oh, stop it. Uh, James, how do you think we're going to go in the Asian Cup? Because, you know... We tend to not be so great against sides that sit back in a low block. And, I mean, I hope, I hope that we don't persist with a Duke-McLaren strike partnership because Mm. I don't think that's going to be successful. No, especially when it's Leckie having to come in and play between the lines, which, as good as Leckie is, isn't really his game. Mm. So, uh, not great there. McGree, I thought, was very good in that role. Uh, But, yeah. I think playing against those stronger sides is another area that we really need the Socceroos to have more opportunities to develop uh, because recently we've had some really high-quality international matches, right, against some really good opposition, which is good, really beneficial for establishing where we are as a nation and where we want to be as a nation. But you also have to have those opportunities against weaker nations to bring the game to them because for the Socceroos to fully develop into what they could be, we need to show that we can beat the opposition, not just catch the opposition out. And there's a key difference between those two. So uh, I struggle to see how we will go because we haven't really had many opportunities for that since, you know, World Cup qualifying, which was a very long time ago where our tactics looked very different. Graham Arnold was very rigid still and stuck in his ways back then. Uh, he's changed, he's adapted, he's grown as a manager, which is a beautiful thing to see. Uh, and the kind of players he's selected obviously have grown and developed over the course of their professional career. So you could argue that it looks a lot brighter now, but we haven't really had a chance to see it in action. And it's hard to say, uh, especially without a true talisman number nine in this side, how we would go. Because when you don't have that true talisman number nine, it can be a bit difficult sometimes to break down teams unless you're a high-level positional team, which I don't think these Socceroos ever will be. Mm, James, uh of the younger players in this side that we saw, and by younger, let's ballpark, say, 23 and under, or at least some of our fresher players uh, that we haven't seen so much in this side. I, there really is so many in this squad. Graham did call up an, a whole host of young players. 23 and under is a bit of a stretch. The only one that I could think of off the top of my head uh Boss, Robertson, and I think Sicardi are the only ones under 23. Really? I, I we, 
a lot of these young names that we're describing, you know, Stensness, Devlin, Rolls, they're actually 25, 20, 24, 25, 26. Okay. Well, my vibe check was clearly off. Uh, of the younger players who, who did play, I guess, Jean Roux, uh, he came on, played 63 minutes. Strain, who isn't young, but hasn't seen a lot of Socceroos minutes. Robertson also got to play and Metcalf. Who impressed you that we haven't seen a lot of in this national team? Um, I mean, the most impressed player of me was the youngest one of the lot, John Boss. Mm. He was comfortable out there playing against the world's best and containing the world's best. Just 20 years of age. Really, really exciting because the confidence that he played with in build-up play especially. I mean, he looked every part and parcel of what you want from modern fullback and all on fullback that will transition to any league in the world. The way that he was able to treasure that rock, to treasure that football, uh, move the ball effectively, take on his man one-on-one, but also not ignore defensive responsibilities and recover was a beautiful sight to behold. And as the, I think the third youngest player in that team, along I think Sakati and um, Robinson are the two younger players than him, he was absolutely sensational. And I thought, to be honest, for the soccer is the best player on the pitch. Okay, there you go. That's a big shout. I, I tend to agree. I think he had a fantastic game. And I don't think he'll be playing in Belgium for for much. Yeah. I think maybe a year if he continues to excel and continues to grow rapidly. I thought also his former Melbourne City teammate, also moving to Belgium, Aidan O'Neill, was one of the best players on the pitch as well. It's 24 years of age, kind of in that middle age bracket. Like a lot of these younger, quote-unquote younger players Graham Arnold has brought in. I think... Could also fit in that vein of Jordan Boss, who I'm going to be surprised moved to the top five league soon. That would be absolutely great to see. I, I hope for their sake and, and for the sake of Australian football that that does happen. James, I know you were a little bit fired up on Twitter. I saw one of your hot takes. Uh, the thing about you is that you never hashtag like whatever the game is, which you just got to know. Yeah, but the the thing is, is that then other people don't discover you. you don't, you're almost then just tweeting out into a void, and no one is even seeing it necessarily. Uh, and so I'm one of the few followers that you have. Uh, what is your Twitter handle? Your personal one? I don't know. Oh my goodness, James! I think it's James Jarvis FM potentially. Maybe. You're so good at the self promo, the self plug. Just, just don't really care, mate. Yeah, but then how's this show meant to grow? I don't know. This is what I'm working with. You're hearing this right here? Uh, I just watch the football, mate. Sure. And and give my takes in it. Yeah, but then how do people know what your takes are? Anyway, enough of this little infight. My my takes speak for myself. Yeah, and that's sometimes the danger. (laughs) Because this one take, um, I don't know if I fully agree with, mate. So Cardi called up into the squad. Mm? was given his first opportunity. And we know that Graham Arnold doesn't always reward the first call. He likes to integrate people into the squad before giving them an opportunity to play football. And I understand that Sakati is playing at a high level. But against one of the world's best, I understand why Arnold wanted to persist with the Sutar-Rolls combination. And And you can make the argument, oh, why didn't you bring him on at the end of the game? Do you know what? I don't have an issue with that. I don't think so. we're at a danger of losing Sokati to Italy. He's said that he wants to play for Australia. He's committed to Australia. 
And we know how high his potential is. We know how good he is. He'll be in the next squad. It'll be fine. As a general philosophy thing, I disagree. I think in a friendly match, if you call him up for the first time, you cap him. Okay. Uh, if it's a competitive match, I agree 100%. It depends on how that competitive match is going and the optics of that and how, what that would mean for the tournament. But if it's a friendly, call him up. You know, give him that cap. I think it's as simple as that, to be honest. Uh, because, you know, if he comes on in the last 10 minutes and we end up losing 3 deal rather than 2 deal, whatever. It's a friendly, right? It's the progression from the, you know, it's the progression, right? That's what we're looking for. And that, the earlier he gets that cap, the more he progresses, the more he grows because he's had that experience earlier in his career. And I think that's only a positive thing. I think there's merit to rewarding people with a cap. Not that he doesn't deserve it. I think there's merit to the slow integration of players into a team. And look, I won't be losing any sleep over Sakati not being involved in the match. But hey, next time we potentially see him, we'll be in a competitive fixture. And I mean, to your point, Devil's Advocate says, well, why not give him the opportunity when it's not a competitive fixture but I think Sokati's the sort of player that will thrive under pressure and I think we'll be more than okay uh, when we do eventually see him in the green and gold at least on the pitch as opposed to on the sideline uh, Sakati is a young player and we do have a number of other 23s Sakati is one of those players in the squad who is under 23 James and the Maurice Ravello tournament beautiful segue I have to give it to you Thanks, mate. It's uh, it's what I do. Anyway, uh, this under-23 squad, they've just wrapped up the Maurice Ravello tournament. I think since we last recorded an episode, we had a semi-final against Panama. Agonising. It was an agonising watch. It was an agonising an hour before the game as well. It, it, was a, it was just a painful experience. And I imagine the players feel more hurt than I do. But the Twitter discourse... <laughs> around that game not pretty not not pretty do you think this this team selection the starting 11 selection did you have any issues with that yes go on hit me with um the loop player is a mighty fine player but he's not close to i think another 23 starting 11 he's probably not close to us under 23's second 11 either for me Okay. So to see him starting, I think, was um, a miscalculation, to say the least, when you have, you know, this guy called Greg Wall on the bench, mm-hmm. Marco Tilio, you know, as, as average, I think, as he has been, Marley Francois is probably a bit better as well. Uh, so, so yeah, not not the greatest of um, decisions there, But James, I think. he scored two goals in another game. I, I look at 90 minutes locked around into stat sheet personally, and I think those two goals were, you know, give me goals that other players very worked very hard to get him, right? Uh, but, yeah. Anyway, I, I digress. I think it was a bit foolish as well to leave uh, one of our best players to the tournaments and then Italiano on the bench, you know, the captain as well, uh, as well as one of the our best midfielders, Neuenhoff on the bench, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think... You know, those three decisions, I think, kind of put the writing on the wall early. I think it looks very different, right, if we have Grank Wall in for Lupale because we know Pupion can play on both wings. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Greg Kowal, I think, can also play on both wings, though we haven't really seen it much. Um, I think he will be able to just fine. I think it would look very different if, you know, Italiano was starting ahead of Talbo or even Talbo starting at left back because he can do that like Boss can as well. Uh, because, I mean, Farrell didn't cover himself in glory that game. No. And I think it would also look very different if we had uh, Neuenhoff in alongside Teague, which has worked so well when they have played alongside each other this tournament, whether that be for Dorigo or Jelicic, um, either or. They're both, you know, they've both good midfielders, those two. So it's hard to split between the two, but I think Neuenhoff definitely deserved and warranted being in that starting 11 midfield. But James, surely that starting 11, I mean, I watched the game. It's one of the few football matches I've been able to watch live. <laughs> Because of the nature of the work that I do, I watched the game and that team should have won that game. Yes. And they will feel like they should have won that yes. game. Because, and I don't want a, this to be a pile on Billy Capich, but he didn't have a great game. No. The, he, he made two errors that led straight to goals. Mm-hmm. First one passed it to Dorigo when he had a clear option to his left that he could have just played it to yep. Jordan Courtney Perkins. That happens in news football, though, for keepers. And, and, and yes, it's I, very I, common. Yeah, I totally understand. And the second and second uh, one was arguably yeah. worse. Yeah, I think it's important to note that young goalkeepers are confidence players. And the first game of the tournament, it didn't result in a goal, but he made a mistake that very nearly did. And for young goalkeepers, it's very, very hard for them to rebound from that. And that's not just a bit of cabbage thing. That's every young professional goalkeeper in the world thing. Right, We often see young goalkeepers make er mistakes, be error-prone, and what defines them is finding consistency later in their careers. And that's really why we see goalkeepers blooming you know, at the age of 25, 26, 27, as opposed to 20, 21, 22. Because being a goalkeeper, as much as it is technical, like it is every outfield position, it's more so mental. And mentally, you know, professional male goalkeepers don't progress to be that high-level mental player until 25 26 27 when the brain fully develops so that i think it's very important not to dogpile on billa cabbage yes he made mistakes but he's a young keeper those are expected what my biggest concern is is 10 outfield players we should have been more dominating in that game and created more chances mm. i mean i think pupion did a great job at setting up chances he set up the, the one goal he that set we up did a have. lot <laughs> And he, he did set yeah. up quite a... I think he actually was awarded player of the match for that game. Deservingly as well. Uh, I thought he had a, a great game in that match. But we can't just rely on one or two players to be those difference makers. We, we need mm. to have a whole squad worth of players. And you could argue that, yes, some of those difference makers that we do have within that squad were on the bench. But I, uh, yeah, think, I, I still stand yeah. by the fact that that starting 11 should have won that game. There's some structural issues as well, I think. You know, Talbo is more of a supporting fullback that wants to come inside. Farrell is more of a defensive fullback that wants to sit a bit narrower. Um, kind of like, you know, Degenek as a, profession, as a soccer example. Mm-hmm. He wants to come in and sit in. Uh, whereas Talbo, he wants to invert and support the midfield. So we didn't really have that attacking fullback which kind of needed especially with the midfield composition that we had with you know three supporting midfielders there's no attacking midfielder in that uh so there was a tactical element of 
imbalance which affected the attack because when you're up against a back four, you want five attackers. You want five players pressing the line and causing issues in the line. And too often we only had three players pressing on striker and two wingers. And when it's, I don't, I don't know what you know about football, Lachlan, but mm. it's three on four, it's a lot harder to create than five and four. Yes. Uh, simple maths, mm. some quick maths, as uh, they say. Five is more than three. It's true. And so, uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. And any other final thoughts on the tournament? We, we ended up grabbing third place, uh, defeating France. We'll note that it, was France's under-18 side that they had in this tournament. But I still think it was a, a solid performance by yeah. what was a, a completely different team that we saw in that semi-final. Yeah, I mean, it was a very good game, right? Jake Holman, I think, all progressed and have a very good A-League season this year. It feels like MacArthur are transitioning a bit towards their youth era. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping to see a lot of football from Jake Holman this year because... He's really on the precipice now to kind of claim that Joanhoff kind of developmental leaf, right? And become yep. an A-League regular and a bit of a, you know, the households that watch the A-League are household name. Yes. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, he, he's a very good player. And Dorigo also getting on the scorecard, which you love to see as well. He's a player that we've been speaking about for a few few years now, about to, you know, it feels like, oh, yeah, he's he's about to make that jump, you know, and he still has so much potential. Hasn't quite put it together yet. I also feel like it's a bit of a positioning issue, Lachlan. Because hear me out. Fullback. Right back. I really like for his positioning. Okay. The way he plays. Being able to play as a right back that comes into midfield, kind of in a supporting role. Um, for those that watch the Premier League, you know, Zinchenko. Kind of like his style of play. Um, I, I would really like to see him in that kind of a system. Will I? Probably not. But a man can dream. I think mm. in midfield, sometimes he lacks the physical attributes he needs. He either needs to get a bit quicker or hit the gym a bit. Maybe both. Uh, but some development still needed there physically to really take that leap. And I think technically he's fine. Mentally he's fine. He needs to take that physical leap. And maybe what will be best is maybe a move where those physical demands aren't quite as high. Uh, but also... You know, it could also be best seen in the A-League where those physical demands are really high. The A-League is a very physical league, so it could be good to see him figure out how to work around those physical capabilities. This next A-League season will be one to watch for the youngsters. I feel like we're, we're not there just yet, but we're starting to see things click potentially. Maybe it's just because there has been so much youth football and it's just exciting to watch young Australians playing for the national team even if there are some mixed results on the field. I think any opportunity to represent your nation and to, to, to put on the green and gold and just to get more experience at an international level can only do good things for the players as mm. they head back to their clubs. James, I know that you, you really want to talk about one player who will be returning to a different club when he goes back mm. to Copland. We'll get to that in just a second. But before then... Under-17s. Playing in the Under-17 Asian Cup at the moment. Just took on China in their most recent game. I think they're playing right now as we speak. But the game against China, 5-3 result for the soccer... for the Sorry, for the Joeys, I should say. Uh, Your first strike. I know. Well, wouldn't, wouldn't want three of them. 
They say three strikes in your outlook. It is. Uh, Today I feel uh, like a baseball podcast. James, 5-3 for the Joeys. An absolute wonder goal for Nestory Irankunda. He scored two in the game. Uh, some some solid goals in that game as well. But he could have had four. He he really could have. <laughs> Eight goals in a game is always entertaining for the neutral. Yeah, but it it's is. Paints a picture. It's just it's stressful for the fan. <laughs> exactly, and it paints a picture just how uh, I guess how intense and how free flowing youth football can be. Yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? It it is quite it is quite good. But any any thoughts on that game against China? Um Aaron Kunda is insanely talented. Like I'm oh, sorry, I thought that was just it. yeah. It, well that's really all the words that you need to describe how talented this kid is. Uh he is world class. There's no other way to put it. He's a world class talent. And you just need to watch the way he strikes a ball to understand how classy he is, right? Mm. How sweetly the power he generates with such little momentum already in the ball. How he can keep it low and make it just float in with still maintaining ludicrous amounts of speed. It's a beautiful thing to watch. And it's reminiscent of like a young Cristiano Ronaldo. Wow. The way he strikes the ball. I don't think he's as good as a young Cristiano Ronaldo. I'll say that. But just reminiscent, yeah, in, reminiscent. in the ballpark. It, well, it is to the, use another baseball term. Yeah, the way he strikes the ball is yes, and in football, being able to strike a ball is actually quite an important skill, Lachlan. Mm. And if you can that. figure out how to get in positions more regularly to strike that ball, he will develop into one of the best players in the world. Well, it, it, it's it's that simple, and I'm not saying like one, two, three, four, five best. I'm saying like top fifty to a hundred best, right? Sure, uh, which is still very good, insanely good. Like that's championship, that's Champions League level good, right? Quick sidebar question: When do you think the last time we had a player top fifty in the world? Like who do you, who do you think that is? Hercule Viduka were that okay. level. Tim Cahill maybe for a season. Okay, was that that level? But not. Not consistently. Not consistently. I also would argue maybe Viduka, at least for the national team, not that, but definitely. I think that was a lot of tactics and they they didn't build a team around Viduka. And Viduka was the kind of player that you had to build around Mm. for him to succeed. Yeah. But yeah, on his day, on his day, Viduka. I think, yeah, Kuehl definitely was. Yes. Like, Kuehl was at some points in his career top 25, right? Wow. He, he, He was, he was, he was good, good. Yes. Anyway, that was enough of that sidebar question. But yeah, um, and another important thing about Aaron Kunda, he knows he's good. <laughs> it's mm, obvious he yes. knows. I mean, you're good. not hitting those shots <laughs> from that range yeah. unless you back yourself to score them. Hmm. Yeah, and that's also something that I think is a negative for him in some ways. You know, confidence is good, ego is good. As long as much as people try and make it out as a bad thing. Ego is an important thing in a professional sports player. You need a bit of ego. Mm. You need to think you're better than the other guy. Otherwise, you're just going to play with little confidence, right? Mm. Uh, but what needs to happen is still smart decision-making. And Aaron Kunda still hasn't really developed that side of his game. He will sometimes just grab a opportunity like, oh, yeah, I, I'll have a go. Instead of, you know, playing the pass and receiving it back for a better opportunity. Mm. Uh, he's still very much a, a kid in that way. And that isn't a shock because, you know, he is 17. Yep. Um, 
But yeah, I think I think he really needs to develop in that facet of the game because for as good as he is, if he becomes a high level decision maker before the age of say twenty, that's when the world will be his oyster. But until then, he will just be a highly talented young tech player technically. Right. Okay. And once he figures out that mental side of the game, that's where he's going to take his massive leap. Okay. Well, that, that'll that be one to watch, I guess, to see his game continue to develop. Any other players from this this squad that has impressed you so far in the one game that we've seen? I think Glasson. Has yep. Had, oh, two games. Sorry, Sorry two, two games? There was one uh, very boring <laughs> game as well. That's your second strike. I know. It's I a know. rarity from you. I know. You I, usually I, edit them all out. I, I, well, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, James. <laughs> that is an accusation that I... You have no evidence. Provide it's the evidence. The cutting room floor does. <laughs> yeah, but there's no evidence on the record of uh, of me making mistakes throughout this podcast. You know what else there is no evidence of? What? Korak uh, is selecting used players on a regular basis. Damn. Damn, son. Um, <laughs> well done. Because Glasson is a very good footballer, Lachlan. He is. And he is ready for some senior minutes to develop. Did you like the, Did you like the Sydney FC Twitter admin <laughs> hyping up Glasson as if yeah. they see him play all the time? Yeah, it was it was quite amusing. Um, but yeah, it, it just he's another young player on Sydney's books. I will say it, Lachlan. Sydney FC have the best youth academy up to the age of 16, 17. Mm. The best. After, After that, that, it's quite poor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's where you lean on your Melbourne cities and your Central Coast to bring them through, mm. uh, your Adelaide's to bring them through to be professional players. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, beautiful to see another very talented young player come through that academy. And it's about time they start giving them minutes because you look around at some, you know, not a former Sydney FC youngster, but a former Western Sydney youngster earning a transfer fee for Central Coast, who I think has also had a very good time tournament so far and you know hopefully they learn glasson maybe some minutes and they can earn mm. a significant fee for him well uh before we continue to unpack this this transfer anything you'd like to say on pavlicic he's captaining this squad mm. um not all that common that you see a goalkeeper captain but it, it goes to show just how i don't know if advanced is the word that i want to use but just the way in which obviously he leads and He's progressing as a footballer uh, quite a lot, so much so that Bayern Munich want to want to pick him up. Yeah, want to pick him up and have picked him up. Exactly. Um, we all thought that Aaron Kunda was the one getting linked to Bayern. It was his Central Coast team, Central Coast Mariners. You p- th- you're thinking of the wrong guy. No, it was the Central Coast Mariners player. Uh, yeah, let's that's that's. I'll, I'll edit that out. I'll, I'll, thank I'll you save you bacon. Um, we all thought that you know a different Joey. Was off to Bayern Munich, of course. Eric Kunda linked to them on the mm-hmm. regular. Uh, and it turns out, different under-17 international off Pavlicic. And it's exciting because he has the potential. He really does. And Bayern, to be honest, if there's... I, I say a lot of things about Bayern, about, you know, outfield players, and I've said it about Eric Kunda. I'm not sold. I think Bayern, in terms of the club they are, if you're not good enough, they're not going to worry about developing you because they have such a monopoly on their market uh, that they don't really care for the, you know, four or five million profit they could make by developing you and selling you on by the time you're 22, 23. Uh, but in terms of goalkeeper, talent ID, Bayern are the best in the world. Wow. Uh, you see the talented goalkeepers come through that academy. 
that's that's their bread and butter in terms of developing goalkeepers, both in the present and historically. Bayern Munich developed the best goalkeepers in the world. So to see an Australian goalkeeper go over to Germany, go over to Bayern Munich, it brings me a lot of hope and excitement because Pavlicic is very, very talented. Technically, he's very, very talented professionally as well, though. That it shows he's a captain at his young age. Captaining the uh, Joey's, yeah, so it's in his age cohort. But the fact that he is viewed by everyone at the club as a leader already at his age, the professionalism that he holds himself to, and uh, reports that you've heard out of that, uh, and it shows in just the way he handles himself as well during the game, the way he communicates, the way he directs and controls the back line ahead of him. It's really exciting stuff. And whenever you see a goalkeeper with the armband, you know he's got he's got something about him, right? You, you have to have an aura to be a goalkeeper that not to hold down the armband. So mm. really, really exciting times uh, for the Australian goalkeeping union because it seems like a good one's coming through, Lachlan. It does seem like a good one's coming through. And, I mean, we, we spoke about youth goalkeepers and and the fact that they're confidence players. Hopefully his confidence continues to grow. That must do his confidence a wonder of good by, I guess, being identified by one of the best teams in the world, Bayern Munich. Yep. So uh, I, I can't wait to see how his career continues to unfold. Obviously, I imagine he'll be playing youth football for a little bit for Bayern. Can't see him stepping into the first team. That would be insane. Um, but, yeah, it'll be, it'll be great to see him make that move over to, to there and... and and hopefully he has a better career progression than Sapreet Singh. Yeah. He's also had injuries, though. Yes. No, it's... Uh, to be fair to him, he's had some... You know, he had a season-ending injury this mm. year, so... Uh, but, yeah, Bayern's whole mantra is, if you're good enough, you're old enough. And that's why, you know, we see some big duds come out of there in terms of youth development, but also some of the biggest, you know wonder kids come out of there because if you're good enough you're old enough yeah and that's why we have to hope with Pavlicic and Irinkunda that they can develop and grow because if they're good enough they're old enough yeah and you see that with like Davies for example relatively unknown plucked out this Canadian right who Barcelona famously (laughs) didn't want because he was Canadian uh but you know he he was good enough you know and even though he was unknown even though he was young he got those first name opportunities and he grew uh, to be a regular for them and to become a very, very good player, a world-class player. And I, to be honest, the potential that Erin Kunda has if he goes over there, Pavlicic has if he, you know, to continues to develop, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, about, you know, a couple of seasons in the future, Pavlicic starting games with them in cup competitions. Wouldn't be surprised at all. Because that's the potential he has, and that's the reason that Bayern has picked him up. James, that's just one of the the many transfers that are that are happening at the moment, or at least rumored transfers. Let's get into talking about a couple more of them before we wrap up this episode. Big transfer rumor, not one that you might expect. Football Australia to FIFA, James wow. Johnson potentially going Returning. back to FIFA. Of course, he he was. At FIFA, I, I can't quite remember what role he had there, but rumours that he was becoming Infantino's right-hand man. Be a big loss for Australia, that's for sure. A very I, big I, loss. I, I hope it doesn't happen. Yeah. I, I think he is 
one of the people in the game at the moment that is actually taking the game forward. Yeah. So I would I'd hate to... I mean, we're about to have a national second division. That's true. Which is nuts. It is true. So, I, I mean, I, I hope we don't lose him unless there's someone else that they've lined up to, to replace him who's just as good. And I don't know if there is that person just yet. Uh, definitely not Australian, I don't think. Mm. Would you put your hand up for the job? If they were scouting me <laughs> to do that job, I would have bigger concerns. Uh, absolutely not. If, if you've listened to this podcast for more than 55 minutes, uh, then you will know that I'm probably not the man for the job. Yeah. Um, would you take the job? No, no. Grief, no. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, at least we've crossed our names off the list. Um, okay, you can rule us out officially yeah. betting markets around yeah, the yeah. world. I I resigned from the race. Um, <laughs> but yes, no, re- replacing James Johnson is not a job that I don't think anyone would really want to have considering how well I think he's done. Yeah, I think he's done phenomenally as well. Um, so yeah, okay. players. Yeah, uh, players. Uh, we have had a couple of transfer rooms. It's really the season at the moment for the A-League mutual termination window. I mean, it's also just a transfer window. Yes, but the, the mutual termination, specifically in the A-League, I think continues to be an issue and one that... It's almost like they need to allow transfers between clubs. Well, yes, James, obviously. Uh, but well, I if, mean, the clubs have to sign on for that, but yeah. But obviously, um, Melbourne City... At the moment, plenty of players leaving. I'm very interested to hear who they bring in, what Australian youngsters they either bring in or pr- promote, because they have a decimated squad at the moment. Well, I'm really hoping that, you know, players like Sulmani, who's coming back from ACL injury, I know, uh, Durakovic, uh, Caputo, I hope that these young players, Talbo, step up and get significant first-team minutes. Especially Talbo, I think, is the most first-team ready at a lot. Mm-hmm. And Caputo, I think, has the highest potential at a lot, so I hope we see him get a lot of minutes. But Drakovic isn't far behind, nor is Sulmani. Uh, so some really promising youngsters, I think. And that's probably my biggest hope. I think they already have a lot of the replacements already at the club. And I hope they internally promote. Mm-hmm. And I hope... You know, we just see them bringing a few experienced players to help round out the squad and to mentor those younger players uh, and to bring balance to the squad. Because I think what Melbourne City is building is, to be honest, what we need in Australian football. Uh, did they do a, get there in the wrong way, maybe, with some bad money? Yes, probably. Um, I won't shy away I, I would say yes, definitely. Uh, uh, yes, definitely. Yes, definitely, yeah. Uh, and But in terms of where they are now... I think it's, to be honest, sustainable and fair. Uh, I think they've gotten there in a bad way. Uh, but I, 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 won't, I won't continue speaking about those issues because I want to keep on speaking about the players. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I really hope we see those youngsters promoted. There also is a laser just trained on your head right now. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, but, yeah, I think in terms of the youngsters, they're ready. Uh, and that would probably be my biggest hope. Yeah, I mean, there's been plenty of other kind of rumoured. Uh, mm. One big one I saw this week, Massimo Luongo. He was offered a gig at Perth Glory. It didn't end up working out. He's he's still, this is a couple of years ago, I should add. 
when things were not working out and then he ended up at Middlesbrough. Or maybe it's just after Middlesbrough. Mm. But Mass Luongo in the A-League. No, not yet. He just got promoted with Ipswich. No, no, no. As no, an no. instrumental player. No, you, you clearly didn't read the article. He was actually offered, he said yes to playing for at Perth Glory. Really? Yes, this is before he then went oh, to Ipswich. Okay. This is before Ipswich happened. Mass Luongo was approached by Perth Glory. He said yes. Things fell through. It didn't quite work out. But what I take away from that is that he is not afraid of coming back to the A-League and showing what he can do. I agree with you that he should stay in England at the moment. And he will stay at Ipswich. <laughs> yes, but for me, he's been a player that I've always gone, would he return? Will he return? I don't know. Hmm. He said yes to Perth Glory, which as someone who supports Brisbane, who, who, who need a midfielder of that ilk, I think, to really elevate them. Not to say that he would join us. And this is... I don't want to be accused of being delusional. I think you're on copium, mate. Okay. But there are players like him who maybe we, we might see back in Australia sometime soon. So much to get a contract. Well, he's rumoured to go to Saudi Arabia. Qatar, I thought. Well, Qatar, sorry. Yeah, get get the bag, I guess, yeah. Yeah, it's the same same kind of deal. But players who are reaching... Their thirties, maybe just after coming down back off the hill. Sure, Kenny Dougal, would he? Maybe would he return to Gaelic? I don't know. Anyway, to be honest, Lachlan, enough of over thirties. Okay, I'm excited about the young players because Bacchus. Sure, yes, rumored to be over to Bolton Wanderers. Yes, he is rumored. Uh, he's been playing very, very well uh, in Scotland. We saw it how well he was playing for the Socceroos. Could be making the switch. To the championship. Going south. Going south to England. And I think it would be a great fit for him as well. Yeah. Yeah, Bolton Wanderers, you know. He's an industrious midfielder, we know, and he has a bit of shuttling ability in his locker. So I think the way that Bolton set up in terms of the back three, uh, him playing in that wide central midfield position, kind of shuttling and covering for the fullback who wants to push up and over, would be a very natural fit for him. So I think that would be a good move for him. Is he ready for that jump? I'm not sure. I think he had a rough end of the season at Myron, uh, St. Myron, but he he's also one of those players that he steps up to the level he's playing at, right? We know this about him. We've seen it this time in the E-League. We've now seen it in this time at the SPFL. He's one of those players that he steps up to the level. Mm. So maybe that move he'll just step up to and it'll be like completely fine. Uh, so that that is also something that's a very realistic thing. Um, staying in the championship, Lockley, Lachlan quickly, mm-hmm. uh, Zach Gilsonen. Yep. I probably once again got his name wrong. I seem to always do. Uh, he, he just signed a contract extension remaining with the club. Uh, and hopefully that means first team football is around the corner for him. Okay. Okay. Well, that, that, that would be good to see. I always love seeing youngsters getting promoted to the first team. Yeah. It's, it's a brilliant thing. And speaking of youngsters, Lachlan, one more. Uh, if he ends up committing to Australia, trigger warning for those. Oh, there. yes. We're, we're speaking about Volpato, Lachlan. We are speaking about Volpato. Tr- trigger warning. Um, Could be the second most expensive Australian transfer ever. That's insane, but I'm all for it. It. I I saw a tweet today saying, or reports saying that he is going to Sassuolo. Yeah. So Roman Castrap need the money. And Sassuolo apparently swooped in for him. And there were reports about he had reservations about getting the first team football. He would 
need to develop there. And with him accepting it, it seems to be that there would be some assurances by Sassuolo that yeah. he'd be getting some first-team football. I mean, if you've listened to this show before, you'll know our thoughts on Volpato. We're big fans of what he can do and his potential. And I think that he'll play for Australia one day. And I welcome him with open arms. Yep. What happened in World Cup qualification, I don't hold that against him. He's young. He's going to do some silly things. He's going to send some silly messages to some mates that maybe he didn't think through that, you know, the other context of them. Mm. I'd forgive young players that do that. That's part of being young. Exactly. Well, I'm excited. We'll see if that is confirmed in the coming days, but I'll be watching that one closely because, yeah, exciting times ahead. And to break a record for an Australian player also just goes to show just how good he is. And I think there's maybe some people who are a little bit upset at him who are in denial just at how good he is because you don't command a fee like that unless you've got some serious talent. Yeah, there's some serious potential as well. Exactly. So uh, that'll be one to watch in the coming days and weeks. Uh, Anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up this episode, James? No. Okay. Well, uh, that's it. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Soccer Who's Podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, get in touch. James, what's your Twitter? Uh, at James Jarvis FM, I think. Hey, you are, I think you're a lost cause at this point. <laughs> you can get in touch with the show, Twitter, Soccer at Who's Soccer Pod. Who's Pod. I know at that Soccer, one. Yeah, well, that's good. Um, at Soccer Who's Pod is our handle, t- Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. Or get in touch with us via email. If you would uh, like to, I guess, have a more formal correspondence, soccerwhospod at gmail.com. That'll be it for another week of Australian football. We'll catch you next week. Until then, enjoy the football. <laughs>